Hi, uh, welcome to our second part of the summer series, Summer of Soul Care, or as I think about it, it's our SOS series, uh, because sometimes we just simply need to be rescued. I know that sometimes for myself in the last few months with COVID, uh, it's been just tough on my spirit, that the disruption that that uh, the change, it's just tired me out, it's worn me down. And so the words of Jesus, uh, come to me, all of you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Uh, that sounds really good to me right now. I, I need that rest of Jesus. And, and I'm glad that he offers us a way of life that can be restful, intentional, but, but can also still impact the world. And so we're, we're spending this summer learning, practicing, and reflecting on a number of spiritual practices that form us, that shape us, that, that move us, so that we're transformed into the image of Jesus, so that we are restored and renewed by the Holy Spirit, and so that we are sent in power into the world by the Father. I just want to remind us that uh, these practices are not meant to be legalistic. They, they are meant for our benefit and the benefit of the world. They take intention. They take learning. They take practice. But this hopefully doesn't add to a list of shoulds in your life, uh, things that you have to do to make it through the summer. Right? Rather, I hope that you will hear these as an invitation to rest and to know God better. Last week, we started the series with one of the three roots that all of the other spiritual practices sort of build off of, and that was the Sabbath. The Sabbath is this command from God that once a week we stop our work and rest. Uh, this week, we want to focus on the second of these roots. It's called sacred reading, or, or the much cooler name is Lectio Divina. Uh, Lectio Divina is, is two Latin words. The first is Lectio, which just means to read, and Divina meaning holy or divine. And so it is a sacred reading, a holy reading, a, the divine reading. Uh, this is a, a practice that goes back for hundreds of years within the Christian tradition. It's an invitation to enter scripture with a posture to hear from God and to let God speak to us personally. Uh, when we're talking about spiritual practices, it's worth noting that they're just two practices of our faith that are integral to every other spiritual practice. Those are prayer and scripture reading, right? Every Christian practice requires prayer as a way to attune us to the work of God around us, to be open to responding to the presence of God in this spiritual practice. Scripture reading grounds us in this clearest revelation of God and his desire for us to know him. The scripture we believe as Christians is different than other books and that it is a living and active book. It's our expectation that when we open the scriptures and begin to read it, that it will speak to us, that it will challenge us, that it will com comfort us. Uh, for those of us who have read the Bible for many years and have read every verse and every page multiple times, uh, there's still an awe and a wonder when a verse that we've read over and over and over and over and over suddenly becomes fresh. It speaks to us in a moment of crisis or joy. It challenges us again in a new way. We believe that this is the Spirit of Jesus working through the text to meet with us. And so Lectio Divina is a spiritual, spiritual practice that combines scripture reading and prayer together as one practice. Lectio Divina is an accessible way to encounter God through Scripture. So Rich Villados says, It's a slow, contemplative practice through which we make space for God to reach the depths of our hearts. 
I know it's important to remember that the Bible is not a magic book, right? It's not the book that is living and active. It is Jesus. It is the living Jesus who is revealed through the pages of Scripture that makes it alive and living for us. Uh, Jesus says in John five thirty eight to the Pharisees, and you don't have His Word dwelling with you because you don't believe the one whom He has sent. Examine the Scriptures, since you think that in them you have eternal life. They also testify about Me. Yet you don't come to me so that you can have life. The Pharisees were, were passionate, careful students of the scripture. But they did not have the spirit of Jesus living in them. And so they missed the life that was being offered to them. So Jesus doesn't discard the scriptures, but rather he encourages the Pharisees and us today to read it correctly. Uh, A.W. Tozer once wrote this. He says, the Bible is not an end in itself but a means to bring men and women to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that, he may delight, that they may delight in his presence, they may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself that is the core and center of their hearts. So when we're talking about Lectio Divina, we, we, are, not, we are approaching the text not to study, not to make it through a chapter of Bible reading, but to slowly meditate on a passage of Scripture that God would reach down into our hearts, that we would take time to hear from Jesus. Now, there's a good time and a place to study Scripture, right? We need people who are students of the story of God, who will do the hard brain work to understanding the text and helping explain it to us. Uh, there's times and places for reading big chunks of the Bible, to getting immersed in the story of God, understanding where things have their place in God's grand, redemptive narrative. But there's also a time to slow down, to meditate, uh, to chew on the words. And choose actually the really good word uh, for what we want to do. It, it, the Jewish word for meditate, or um, Hebrew word for meditate, is hagah. So Psalm 1, verses uh, 1 and 2 says, The truly happy person doesn't follow wicked advice, doesn't stand in the road of sinners, doesn't sit with the dis disrespectful. Instead of doing these things, these persons love the Lord's instructions. They recite, or other English translations say meditate, hagah, God's instructions day and night. So uh, day and night, this faithful person, Hagah is the word of God. Hagah means literally to murmur, to imagine, to meditate, to mutter. In fact, a typical Jewish and Christian tradition was to mutter the words of Scripture as they read it out loud. And this image of Hagah is like a dog working on a bone, chewing it, turning it over, moving it, chewing it again, right? Uh, in the Benedict's uh, sixth, in Benedict's, sixth century world, wow, that was hard to say, monks, um, they didn't just read with their eyes, but they would, with their lips, pronounce what they saw using their ears to listen to the words they uttered. So they would sit and they would read and they would read out loud so that they could, they could speak it, they could hear it, they could see it. Um, in John 6, there's this long conversation in which Jesus is offering himself as the bread of life. And he says in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. and Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And, and then in verse 47, he says, I assure you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So whoever eats, and the, the Greek word there is phago, uh, from it will never die. I am the living bread who has come down forever, from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that will give 
uh, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, which is a weird passage, but it, it gets a little weirder in verse 53. Uh, Jesus says, Jesus said to them, I assure you, unless you eat the flesh of the human one and drink his blood, you have no life in you. No, which let's just be honest, this is a hard teaching. And we would argue that it is a metaphor that Jesus is pointing us to the Lord's table where we share the bread and cup each week as a reminder of the presence and rescue of Jesus. But now Jesus does something interesting in John 6, 57 to 58. He says, whoever eats my flesh, trogo, and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever eats me lives because of me. So if you were noticing, right, in the previous slide, uh, we were talking this Greek word. It, the word for eat changes. Jesus moves from phago, which is just your normal word for eat, to trogo, which means to munch or to chew, to suck the marrow out of a bone, uh, very similar to the word meditate that we've read before in the psalm. Uh, in the temptation of Jesus, when the devil comes to Jesus after 40 days of fasting and encourages him to turn bread into stone, Jesus replies, people don't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God which is roughly translating Deuteronomy 8, in which Moses reminds the people that their time in the desert was to humble them, to teach them that people don't live on bread alone. No, they live based on whatever the Lord says. So you and I, as people who believe in Jesus, are called to find life and filling the presence of Jesus in us by munching and chewing on the words of Scripture. You are supposed to munch on Jesus. And that's... so. The question I had as I was, as was writing this is like, what is it that you think about and meditate all day? Like, is it your problems, your struggles with your spouse, your concern over finances or school or a particular relationship? Like, what is that repeated thought that won't leave you alone? You've heard that you become what you eat. Well, what if it's true also of our spirit and our heart and our mind as well? Like, what if we are what we dwell on? And then what are we dwelling on? Like, like a dog, it seems like our minds are just wired to gnaw and chew, to work something over and over and over. And sometimes you're just laying there in bed, stuck on a problem that won't leave you alone. And some of these things we find then trap us into unhealthy thought patterns and habits and attitudes. The invitation of Jesus is put, to put down that bone and, and to chew and munch and meditate on him instead. You are what you chew. You are what you meditate on. And so let's let scripture guide your meditation and make it a practice that it can work our way into our soul, that the spirit can use the scripture then to change you. You, you don't live by the bread of frustration alone. You live by the words spoken by God to you. And so let's break down this practice of Lectio Divina into five movements. Movement number one simply is preparation. Like all spiritual practices, one of the things that you need to do is you need to find time to do it. Uh, so decide what time and what place you're going to do this practice. And I know this is hard with kids, but for this Lectio Divina to work, uh, you really need to find a place that's quiet. And you're going to need at least 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, so once you have your time in your place, get comfortable and take a seat. Or if that's impossible, you just can't do it in your home because of the noise, like maybe go for a walk. Uh, record yourself reading the verse that you're going to reflect on so you can listen to it as you're walking. And, and maybe you're one of those people that you just need to move so that you can focus and think. So whatever your time, your place, your, whatever it is, for me, it's sitting in a chair is best. But whatever is going to work for you, you, you get your time, your place, you get ready, you sit down, breathe deeply. 
Uh, if you want, you can offer a prayer of readiness. Uh, for me, I always like Psalm 27, verse 8, which says, Come, my heart says, seek God's face. Lord, I do seek your face. Like This sums up the call God has placed on our hearts to find him and my desire to meet with God in this time of sacred reading. Uh, moves, now, movement two, read the text. Uh, reading, or lectio, is, is simple. Just read the text. What does the text say? And the goal here is not to see how much content you can cover. The, the goal is to experience what would God say to you through this scripture. So we pick a very small passage and we read it. The question we're going to ask is, like, what strikes me? What word or picture or image or idea is standing out to me as I read this? So you read it very slowly or listen to it. Listen to yourself reading it very slowly. Uh, when you finish, read it again. Read these same verses four or five times. Um, read it aloud if you can. En engage your eyes, your ears, your mouth as you read the text. Sometimes I like to write it down. Um, uh, it's just another way to slow me down, to focus on the passage and what it's saying. Movement three, meditation. So now you're going to ask, what is God saying to me through this text? Do you want to ask God, like, what are you revealing uh, in this passage? Does a word or a phrase connect with something in your life or your work, your relationship? Does a particular word make you think of something? What does that lead you? What's that idea taking you to? Uh, this isn't easy. Our minds get distracted easily. And if you find your mind has just wandered off, bring it back to the image of the word that first caught your attention. But, but also be aware that maybe those scriptures are leading you to think about that situation, that something different is there. Uh, God might be using that passage to reveal something to you in that. So here we just take a few moments and we're processing it. What, does it, what is it that we sense God is saying to us in this mo moment? Movement four is prayer. Uh, whenever we talk about meditation, it's important to remember that there is an implied intention of action in meditation. Uh, meditation is not historically an experience of thought. Meditation moves us into action. And the first response or action after meditating on the text is to pray about it. We're going to say, what do I want to say to God about this text? We take this opportunity to offer words to God in response to what God has said to us. We take the phrase, the word, the idea. We tell God uh, what we've been thinking and feeling as we've listened and meditated. We tell God how we hope that this phrase or word or idea will change our hearts to be more like his. And then movement five, the last piece, is contemplation. Uh, to close our time, we are at the place where no more words are needed. God has spoken to you through scripture. You have spoken to God in return. And now we take these last two, three minutes to sit in silence, to enjoy the presence of God, uh, to try to focus our, our, our mind and our hearts onto the presence of God in and around us. It's been said that Lectio Divina is a hungry, prayerful reading of the Bible. It is the expression of our desire to live in intimacy and communion with God. In his book, Meditation, Meditating on the Word, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says that when you study something, you analyze it. Uh, you, when, but when you receive a word from the one who loves, the one you love, you simply open your heart to savor it, as Mary did when she was told by the angel that she would conceive and become the mother of Jesus Christ. So both study and sacred reading are important in the life of the Christian. But this week, we are going to practice Lectio Divina together. We're not seeking to analyze or pick apart the text. We simply want to receive the scripture as a word from God who loves you. We're going to open our hearts to what God is saying to us. We're going to savor, on it, savor it. We're going to chew it. We're going to work it over. We're going to let it take root in our souls. 
And so this series is designed around this idea of learning, practicing, reflecting. And so we've now learned about Lectio Divina. And now this week we're going to put it into practice. And I have six scriptures for you to spend doing Lectio Divina each day until we meet. I invite you to meditate and chew on these scriptures. Uh, you can find the time that works for you, but I'd really encourage you that you need to carve out 10 to 15 minutes to do this well. So this might mean changing your daily devotion time, adding this and leaving out different parts that maybe you normally do. Maybe it means starting a daily time to meet with God because you haven't been doing anything for a, lot, a while. Maybe you have to add a second time during the day so that you can do this. Um, however you need to do it, just make time to hear from God through Scripture. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Set a time, set a timer on your phone if you have to. Tell a friend that you're doing this. Pass on the teaching to them and invite them to do it with you and hold you accountable to it. Whatever you need to do uh, to practice these and, and to sort them out, um, like let's just do it. Let's practice these things so that will help us grow in intimacy with God and experience this transformation with Jesus. So I pray that you will find time to do this. Uh, as you do, you will hear the Word of God, that the Word of God will take root in your heart and change you and bless you. Thank you for making time for this week's teaching. Uh, grace and peace to you all, and we will see you next week.